This last weekend we had so much fun in Marietta, California at West Coast Life Church. Had three services Sunday morning. Had a wonderful time. Then we went over to the L.A. House of Prayer. Had a great time there. But if you're in the center of the country, come to Topeka. We'll have a great time. We'll get into the coming of the Lord and how close we are. We'll have a great time. So we're coming to you every week to look at the different things that point to the coming of the Lord. Specifically, uh, the signs that happened about the Ezekiel 38 war. Because the rapture of the church is signless. But the second coming has tons of signs, about 50, that are blatant and exact. But the Ezekiel 38 war happens right after the rapture. So if you can see the gathering of nations for that, you can tell we're really close to the rapture. Now, what's the Ezekiel 38 war? That's where Russia comes down on Israel and God intervenes. In this dispensation, there's no intervention because he left the authority up to the church. The moment the church is lifted off the earth, you, you see God doing things like Old Covenant. So we're looking at all these things that are set up for the coming of the Lord. Remember, we get into this so that we're happy and hopeful. I heard people say, well, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, you just get everybody's hopes up. Duh. It's the hope that purifies you even as you're pure. So the thought pattern about the coming of the Lord is to accelerate. As we see the finish line approaching, we go faster, not slower. So it's not about an escape theology. It's about a hustle theology to do more in a short period of time. So let's pick up with what's happened this last week. Man, you have a lot of things uh, cooking for the coming of the Lord. Specifically, you've got the, uh, our national security advisor meeting with Russia's and meeting with Israel's this next week over uh, Iran being in Syria. So you have the leaders of these nations coming together to talk about how close Iran is to Israel. See, Iran's brought all that equipment down in. Remember we talked about there were 747s landing in Syria, bringing in armory. Israel keeps bombing that armament that keeps coming in. But more and more keeps happening because Iran is pushing the envelope on all these things. You even see the news media talking about it right now. And it's amazing to see what they're saying about this. Remember last week we talked about the oil tankers that got hit by, by Iranian Revolutionary Guard. And listen to how crazy the thought pattern is. Just like when the Antichrist is going to get here to try to distort truth and change realities. You had those oil tankers got hit by Iranian Revolutionary Guards. The crews got rescued, and then Iranian naval vessels went and captured them. Well, you have NPR, National Public Radio, in America say, well, the Trump administration uh, allegedly said Iran did that. No, Iranian naval vessels captured those people and, and still have them in captivity. But that's that mentality that you say allegedly happened. No, Iran's doing that because we're doing sanctions on them because they're uh, enriching their uranium. They announced this last week that they're up to speed on all their enriching. And they're kind of thumbing their nose up at the rest of the world. We got away from that nuclear deal because it was a bad deal. Now, the rest of the world's not saying that because they don't care. They don't care that Iran said Israel, Satan, America's the great Satan and publicly said they're going to annihilate Israel. So we're trying to protect Israel the best we can by subduing Iran. If all the information came out at what Iran keeps hauling down into Syria to be a setup for attacking Israel, it would freak people out. That is so kept quiet, but there's equipment after armory after equipment set up right there just because that's going to happen. And there'll be some skirmishes of that even before we're gone, but really radically after we're gone. You've got Turkey taking possession of their s 400 missile defense systems from Russia. Remember that bizarre alignment with Russia and Turkey right now, because that's a big deal, but that's mentioned in Ezekiel 38. You've got down in Gaza, they keep sending incendiary balloons into Israel, even though there's been a ceasefire. You've got other things happening that I've been looking for, and this is the one that probably is the biggest deal of all. 
You've got Jared Kushner meeting uh, with the leaders of the Middle East this next week on discussing the economic future for the Palestinians. There's always been a political future for the Palestinians about whether it be a two-state or not a two-state. And the whole purpose of this meeting is about economics. I've always said you'd watch the Antichrist come on the scene to have a flawless economic future for Palestinians. In other words, it would be, it would be a money thing. They're going to be blessed financially to do this. And they keep talking about a two-state solution. I love that our ambassador talked about it's not about settlements, it's about annihilation. And the Palestinians want to annihilate Israel. But with that meeting next week, the Palestinians said they won't even come. So Israel decided not to go because they didn't want to cloud the waters or muddy the waters. So the Palestinians said they wouldn't even go when it's a whole uh, convention set up on how the Palestinians can be blessed financially. And the Palestinians get $800 million from the rest of the world, $500 million from America, about $400 million from Europe. So all these things are happening. You've got earthquakes in China and an earthquake right off the coast of Japan. There was a tsunami warning. You've got a meteor shower that the Earth's going to come close to uh, this next week, the closest it's been to in many, many years. It was what really what they caused the, the, the explosion in 1908 over. And, and now you've got the sun that doesn't have any spots for the last couple of weeks. So you've got all these uh, meteorological things happening. You've got all this natural stuff happening and nations setting themselves to, up to get in alignment to attack Israel. It's weird how quiet it is and how distorted it is, but that's what we'll see all the way up to the coming of the Lord. So, how can we be blatant about this? We look at the Scripture. We always go back to the Word of God. The Bible says, Israel made a nation in Jerusalem back in Luke 21. Jesus said, the generation that sees those two signs will not pass away till all is fulfilled. So that's us. 1967 and 1948. So we're blessed. We've got to see that. But there's many more. You've got the Hebrew language restored. You've got the Ethiopian Jews brought back in our lifetime. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. You've got the revival of the Roman Empire. You've got their capital building in Strasbourg, France. It's not similar to the Tower of Babel, identical to the Tower of Babel. So you've got the Temple Mount Institute ready. They're ready to have sacrifices. They didn't get arrested this year for having one on the edge of the temple. Uh, whereas last year they got arrested. So you have all these things. The fertility of the land of Israel. Israel produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. Amazing all these tangible things you can look at. So you go beyond that to Russia's in Ukraine, Russia's in Crimea. Russia's all over the nation of Syria because the Bible says that Russia comes down into Israel. Israel's having military exercises this week. Now listen to this. They said to get ready for their exposure on the north. They're having their uh, uh, air forces using their F-35s in a, in a drill all week to get ready to be attacked from the north because that's what the Bible says is going to happen. So you have all these things. The, the amazing thing I like is that you have predatory birds. Israeli ornithologists said there's 172 different species of predatory birds started showing up in the land of Israel. Why is that a big deal? After the Ezekiel 38 war, it calls on the fowl of the air. Seven years later, it calls on the fowl of the air at the Battle of Armageddon. So you've got, you got the birds in position, the cleanup crew in position. So amazing. All these different things in position that the Bible said you'd see right before the coming of the Lord. Men would be lovers themselves, have selfie sticks. Ezekiel prophesied that the Dead Sea had fish. This year they started having fish. And then you've gone from signs to signals. I know I'm going fast, but there's so much. You've got blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles the last couple of years. When's the last time you had four in a row? NASA called it a tetrad. When did you have four in a row uh, blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles? 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel's made a nation. 1492 at the Edict of Expulsion. So you've got uh, the heavens signaling Jesus is about to come back. You had the Bethlehem Star this last year, first time in 2,000 years. At the birth of Jesus, the constellation was Virgo. This last year, the constellation was Leo. Amazing. First time in 2,000 years. So you've got Mercury doing a flyby of the sun. You've got all these things that point to his return. Thinking about Mercury doing a flyby of the sun does it, does it twice 
in, in, about five times in a century. The sun went down directly over the Temple Mount. So all these little tangible things, Orion changed his instrument to hammer. He had hammer and sickle on the same day. So that's, that's Russia's symbol. God's showing them Russia's getting ready to try to take Israel through the threshing floor. So what do we do? We help our local church, help our local pastor. This is it. I hear people say, well, all these signs have happened before. No, they've never happened before. We're the only generation that has all these. So what does it tell us? Jesus is just about to come back. Man, live your life like he's coming tomorrow. Be kinder. Be more merciful. Be more easy to get along with. Show forth what Jesus is really like. The power of the resurrection for the believer in the last days. Man, this is it. We're about to see him. Eyes as a flame of fire. Feet like undefined brass. Voice of many waters. Jesus. Jesus magnified and glorified. Man, come back next week. We'll see what's happening with all the, the, the tankers. Now, they said this week that, that Iran is getting ready to hit more tankers. So watch for that, and we'll pay attention to it because things are being set up for the coming of the Lord. Have a blessed, awesome week. We'll see you next Wednesday. A lot, a lot happening. You know, I was, uh, I was in my office this afternoon and just going back over this, what we were ministering on tonight. And, um, and you know, and, and I was reading it and I found myself almost, um, I don't really know why, I don't really know why I had this thought, but uh, you can open it up to Revelation uh, 16, I believe it is, is where we are. Um, I was reading it and it was almost like... I, to me, it was almost like I was just reading a novel, you know. And it was like, because what we're, what we're going to talk about tonight in Revelation 16, 17, 18, uh, and I'm going to try and go pretty fast tonight, just because I want to, uh, you know, I want to get through some of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It was almost like, it was almost like I was reading it, and, and it was like it was just a story to me, you know. And, and, and like it wasn't, it didn't really mean much. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just stopped me, and He's like, and, you know, and, and it was like just in that one split second, I had the realization that, you know what, this is really going to happen. I mean, this is not just a novel. This is not just a, a fiction, uh, you know, a nonfiction book or whatever. I mean, this is not, you know, what we're, what we're reading here and what we've been talking about on these Wednesday nights is <coughs> not, um, not a fairy tale. You know, this, this literally is going to happen to the earth that you and I are living on. Now, the good news is, is that you and I won't be here if, if we're born again and, and we have a relationship with Jesus. You know, I mean, we, we know that the rapture of the church is going to come before all of this. <clears throat> Excuse me. The rapture of the church is going to come before all this and we'll be, we'll be gone. But still, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want anybody I know to have to go through this. You know, and it's like Joseph Morris said there at the end, what can we do? <coughs> Excuse me. What can we do? We can be busy about the Father's business. You know, we can tell more people, just, you know, like he said, be kinder, be nicer, be, be more loving. You know, show Jesus to more people. Talk about him. And, um, you know, because, because this, you know, the reality is, is that one day the tribulation period is going to happen. And Jesus is coming back. And those that are not ready, those that are not born again, um, those that don't have a relationship, the names that are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you know, they'll be left, and they'll be they'll be here on this earth for the tribulation period. And and um, you know, man, I mean, I almost I almost just started crying in my office. I was just like, I mean, it just hit me that, you know, we. I mean, I even thought back about the last couple 
I mean, I know it's been a couple weeks since I ministered on Wednesdays, but but I'm just thinking, you know, am I am I am I just talking about this like it's just a story? I mean, because because we're talking about people's lives. You know, you're talking about people's eternity. And and like what we read tonight, you know, we're we we are at the tail end what to, we've gotten to the place here in Revelation uh, 15, 16, 17, 15 and 16 especially, we're, we're at the tail end of the tribulation period, and we've come through the seven seals, we've come through the rapture of the church, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, um, you know, we've, we've been introduced to the, uh, you know, the Antichrist and the, the false prophet, and, and the, you know, we've seen the woman in the red dragon, and we've seen all of these, all these different characters, so to speak, what I'll, what we'll call characters, or, uh, people or, or things that are going to be, take place in these last times, um, the, two, the, two, uh, the two witnesses, you know, the 12,000 that's going to go through and preach the gospel, we've, you know, we've talked about all of that. And here we come to the, literally here, we're in like, when, when we read about this tonight in uh, chapter 16, about the vials being poured out or the bowls being poured out, the last judgment, we're literally in the last days of the... Um, of the tribulation period, when we what we what we're about to read tonight, um, you know, we, we've got all the way up to the to the very last here, and so we're in the like, like probably the last. Uh, I, I was reading one guy today, and I, I don't know whether this is I, I didn't have time to research this because I hadn't really heard this before, but but he was saying that that like these the, these bold judgments are going to happen like in the last uh, three and a half or four days of the tribulation period because it's going to happen right after. The, the the witnesses are the two witnesses are killed and then raised up and then you know then this is going to happen is going to be kind of like near the end of the uh, tribulation period so this very well could be what we're going to read tonight about the the bowls being poured out and then um, chapter sixteen is is like real time here and then when we get into chapter seventeen and chapter eighteen it kind of goes back into um, informational chapters and then chapter nineteen. When we get to chapter 19 in a couple of weeks, it's going to be about the marriage supper of the Lamb and, and uh, you know, then the, the millennial reign and, and all of this. So, so we're literally here in the last couple of days. What, what we're talking about tonight is in the last couple of days of the tribulation period. And so, uh, so as, we, as we read this, you know, I know some of this is hard to, hard to wrap your head around and it's hard to think about because we've already seen so much stuff happen. If you've been with us, you know, in the last couple months, we've seen so much stuff happen in the, the, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and all this stuff, you know, and you're kind of like, wow, I mean, you know, it's just, it's amazing that people are still, that people still turn their nose up at God and, and curse God, and you're going to see that tonight, that in a couple of verses, that when some of this happens, people still curse God, and they, they blame Him for all of this, so, I mean, it's just an incredible thing. We finished up last, uh, about three weeks ago, I guess, we talked about the, the, uh, the Antichrist and the, the false prophet, and, and you know, we saw that in chapter 13, 14. Chapter 15, I, I, think we, I think we read through chapter 15, and it was just really the introduction to, um, to the seven vials, the seven bowls being poured out. And, this, and, and when we read this, you'll see this is, this is literally God's wrath being poured out at the very end of the tribulation period. This, is, this puts an end... These seven vials that are, they call them, the King James says vials, other ones say bowls. 
Um, it says, you know, in chapter 15, we were told that an angel came out of the, out of the temple, out of the holy place, carrying, uh, carrying these seven bowls of judgment. And it said that, that smoke filled the temple and that nobody would, nobody was able to go into the heavenly temple until these, until God's wrath had been poured out. And so that, that's what led us up to this point. So let's look at chapter 16 and we'll, we'll read through this and, and see how far we can get. Uh, into chapter 17 and not two, I believe. So uh, chapter 16. Now remember, this is still uh, this is still John having a uh, a vision. Remember, this whole book of Revelation is John uh, is on the Isle of Patmos and he has this vision, and God takes him. You know, and we're going to see here at different times, God takes him different places, and he sees different things. So John is having this vision, and uh, and it says this in in Revelation chapter 16. It says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your way and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. So the first went, and he poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Now you remember... uh, for so long, and, and, I, and, I, and I had always, you know, I had always had this mentality too, that you were going to be forced to take the mark of the beast if you were still here. But now we've read and we've seen that, that you know, it's a choice. You, you don't have to do that. And, you know, for those that are left behind, those that, excuse me, that, that did not know Jesus, there's going to be plenty of people that are born again during the tribulation period, and there's going to be a whole lot of people martyred, and, you know, because they didn't take the mark. And, you know, because, because we hear and we see that if you take the mark of the beast, if you do decide to take the mark of the beast, anybody that's left here, your, your judgment is sealed. You, you cannot take the mark of the beast and go to heaven. You know, he said, if you take the mark of the beast, you're, you, you mark your side against God and your judgment, you know, your eternity is sealed. So, um, so this, it, it is, it is a, uh, you know, and of course we know that, that it gets to the point where, uh, where they set up, they set they set this system up, and they say you can't buy or sell unless you have it. So if you don't take the mark of the beast, you know you're pretty much on your own, and and hope hope that you have a bunch of uh, army rations or something to make it, you know, or or something like that, because because you're not going to be able to buy or sell anything. But here, notice this first plague or this first bowl of wrath was poured out on everyone that had the mark of the beast. And it was sores, and it was uh, grievous, and just uh, the amplified. The amplified says it this way: So the first angel went and emptied his bowl upon the earth, and foul and painful ulcers and sores came on all the people who were marked with the stamp of the beast, who did homage to his image or who worshipped his image. So, so everyone that had the mark of the beast, this first judgment. Now, notice, notice too that even in this that this judgment did not affect those that did not have the mark. If, if there were still people alive, and I don't, know how many people, I don't know how many people will get through the tribulation period. I don't know. Um, you know I'm not sure how many people will make it through that. But, but if, you, if you didn't have the mark of the beast, this first bowl didn't affect you. This first bowl of wrath, it only affected those that had the mark of the beast. So you can, see, you can see this wrath is not poured out on everybody. It's poured out on those that took sides against God. So if you chose to go against God, then this wrath, he poured, this first one, he poured, you had ulcers and sores and, and just horrible things come upon you here. 
Then, and notice now, this, goes, this chapter goes pretty quick. It hits these, it don't really say much about it. It just, it just boom, 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 you know. And the verse, verse 3 says this, And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. So everything that, everything that was in the seas... Now, also remember this too. Um, we're talking about a regional event. Like, for example, if, if, people, if people were still alive in America, and I, and I don't know how this is going to look, and I don't, I don't have all the answers to that, but the seas that he's talking about here are the seas of the, like the Mediterranean, the, the seas of, of, the, of the Middle East over there. Um, like the Pacific and the Atlantic Oceans, I don't necessarily know that I don't necessarily know that it's going to affect all of the seas of the whole earth. This is this is kind of like, you know, because everything everything pretty much is focusing on that area. It's focusing on Israel. It's focusing on everybody coming against Israel. And we're going to see this that pretty much everybody as far as I can tell, everybody that's left is like being drawn to Israel. Is being drawn to this area. And and the nations that are that that are left and that, that are influenced by the uh, Antichrist, they all, and we'll see this by the time we get to the end of this chapter, they're all going to be converging upon, upon that one little stretch, stretch of land, and we're leading up to the Battle of Armageddon. So, uh, you know, so, so, so this is all concentrated on, on that part of the world over there. So the second angel poured it out upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a, of a dead man, and, and every living creature, every living soul died in the sea. And the, the Amplified says every living thing. The King James says soul, but most other translations say every living thing. That means every fish, every animal, um, anything that was on the sea or in the sea died. The third, uh, verse 4 says, And the third angel poured out his vial or his bowl upon the rivers and the fountains of waters, and they became blood. So now here you have the sea, and now the fourth one poured, poured his out, or the third one poured his out on the rivers and on the fresh water. So now you, every source of water that's left is taken away. Now one thing, you know, people can go without food, but you can't go without water. I mean, you know, just a couple of days without water and you're gone. I mean, so, so here we see very quickly that, that you know, the sea is, the sea is, Totally gone, and now all the rivers and all the fresh water is is made you know made like blood. Then verse five says, "And I heard the angel of the waters say, "You are righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shall be, because you hast judged thus, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy." Wow. So, so when this happened to the seas and to the waters, the angel that, if you remember at one time, uh, I can't remember what chapter it was, maybe chapter 6, I can't remember, but, but there was one chapter where, where God, uh, He spoke to the four angels that held the, the, that were at the corners of the waters that, in there, and, and so the angel, the angel that was over the water here in this area, after this happened, he basically just praised, praised God and said, God, you are just for doing this because they, they have shed the blood of saints and of your prophets. And they said, and they are worthy to receive blood because they shed the blood of your people. So, so he, was, he was saying, you are just for doing this. You know, the, your judgment, what the angel was saying is your judgment is just. They're getting what they deserve is what he was saying. 
And, you know, wow, that's, I mean, that's incredible. Then in verse 7, he goes on to say this, And I heard another, out of, another angel, another voice out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So here, you know, so even as these, even as the wrath of God is being poured out, the angels in heaven are declaring, you are just in your judgments. Mm. Then verse number 8, it says, And the fourth angel poured out his vial, or his bowl, upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. I don't know if you caught that or not, but, um, you know, Joseph made mention of this, that, uh, um, you know, this this week there's been a lot of uh, talk about sunspots and so, uh, solar flares, and and you know and they're talking about like that. I, I was watching one thing. I just happened to be the TV was just on, and I was in the I was in the kitchen, but the TV was on in the living room, and I heard this guy talking, and he caught my attention. But he was talking about solar flares, and he was and he said that all it would take was one was one solar flare to to go in the right direction. And it would it would increase the temperature of the earth like a hundred degrees, you know. And here is interesting I, that really caught my attention because I had been reading this. Because here it says that the fourth angel poured out his wrath upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And look at verse number nine and what it says happened. And it says, and men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God which hath the power over these plagues, and they repented not to give Him glory. So could it be, I mean, I don't know, I mean, I, I just find that interesting. Could it be that that the sun is all of a sudden, you know, I, I've always found it interesting how that all works anyway. The sun's like this big ball of fire, and how it keeps burning, and how it keeps, you know, staying the same temperature. And the, I mean, that, that always amazes me. But here, all of a sudden, this fourth bowl, this fourth bowl that's poured out, is poured out on the sun, and then all of a sudden it says that men are scorched with heat. So could you imagine just just like just like that? I mean, just just in a split second, temperature goes from we think 90 degrees hot, temperature goes from 90 degrees to 150 to 200 degrees, just like that. And and man, I mean, you talk you're talking about some instant torture, right? And it says that, and it, notice what they did here. It said they blasphemed God because they knew, they knew that, that this is interesting to me that they blasphemed Him. It says because they knew, uh, it says they blasphemed the name of God which had the power over these plagues and they repented not. So they, somehow they knew, I guess, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't really know how they would know or what, or what their thought process was, but they knew that it was God's wrath being poured out on them at this time. And, and even as His wrath is being poured out, they're blaspheming Him, cursing Him, and they still refuse to repent. And to me, I don't know, being that, being that it says it like that, being it says that they repented not uh, to give Him the glory, uh, my thought is that, you know, I think if one of those would have, would have repented, I think that God would have accepted them. Or will, will, have, will accept them. But it says that none of them will. It says that they're not going to repent. You know, so they're going to blaspheme God. I mean, just just an incredible thing. Then the fifth angel, it says this in verse 10. It says, The fifth angel poured out his bowl or his vial upon the, upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. Now, what, is that, what does that mean, the seat of the beast? In other words, uh, do you realize the second... The, Israel, is, Israel is the most named uh, country in the Bible. 
Does anybody know what the second most named one is? It's the, we call it Iraq today, but it's Babylon. And that's where, that's where the seat of the Antichrist is going to be. And here he says that this fifth angel poured out his bowl on the seat of the beast. In other words, on his, like, we'll say, we, we, was, we could probably say it like this. He poured his, he, this bowl got poured out on, on, the, on the Antichrist headquarters. You know, and it says that he poured it out on the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongue for pain. I mean, just, you know, see, you can see when, when I read this, I mean, you read this like this is some like horror story or something, right? Like it's a fairy tale. But this is literally what's going to happen to these people. I mean, this is terrible. So, so he's going to. So his wrath was was poured out, where all of a sudden, just utter darkness was covered covered the earth. Now, you hear, you know, like if you if you study this and. Uh, you know, and hear all kind, you know, you hear all kinds of like speculation about what's going to happen here. But just I heard I was reading one guy, and he was saying this. He said, you know, if the sun, if the sun were to do those sun flares, and and the heat and the earth was to increase in heat like that, they said that it would do something to the to the uh, to the plates of the earth, and that volcanoes would probably erupt. And, you know, and cause, cause lava to flow and, and volcano. And of course, you know what happens when a volcano erupts? The, the ash covers the sky and it becomes dark. And, and, you know, and that's just, I mean, that's a speculation because we, we don't know what's going to happen here. But it says that this, this, this bold judgment was poured out just where complete darkness came. And it's for, for whatever reason, I don't know whether, you know, uh, I don't really understand why they, why it says this, but it just says that they gnawed their tongues for pain when this happened. I mean, that's, you know, I, you know, it's crazy. Then verse 11 goes on to say, still talking about this, it says, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they repented not of their deeds. Wow. So then verse 12, he goes on and he says, the sixth angel, poured out his bowl upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now you remember, uh, we've talked a little bit about this, and we'll see this as we get closer in the next chapter or two, but you remember that you've always heard about the two million man army that's going to be marching down against Israel. Well, how are they going to, how are they, and most people, most people agree that it's either, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, it could be the Orient, it could be the Asian, or, or it could even be Islamic army. I, I mean, nobody knows who this army is. It just says it's the, from the kings of the east. But everybody says there's no way that that many people can march, you know, by foot and get there, get to, get to Israel to, for this fight. But here it says that this bowl, when this bowl is poured out, it says that the river Euphrates is dried up. And, and there's like, I think it's in uh, Ezekiel or Zechariah, one of those two. It talks about that that army will march down the riverbed of the Euphrates. You know, and so when, this, when the riverbed dries up, it paves the way. And actually it even says that. It says that the riverbed was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So this river is going to dry up and it's going to open the way for this, this two million man army to come and march down to line up for the battle of Armageddon. And he says, and then in verse 13, he says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs 
come out of the mouth of the dragon. Now, remember, the dragon is Satan, right? So he says he saw, John saw three evil, unclean spirits. Now, one thing you'll always notice, you'll never see a clean spirit come out of Satan. <laughs> He's always unclean, right? So he said he saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So here, probably one spirit came out of each one of them, one out of Satan, one out of the Antichrist, and one out of the false prophet. And it says, For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And so, so here, what John saw was these evil spirits come out of Satan, come out of out of the false or out of the Antichrist, and out of the false prophet. And these spirits went across the whole world. This time, it says the whole world. They went out across the whole world, and what they're there for is to go and to deceive and to lie to the leaders and to get them to gather against the great again to bring them into the battle of the great day of the Lord. And that's what, what we call, what we know as the Battle of Armageddon, when at the second coming, when Jesus returns, and we're going to be with Him, we're going to come down for the Battle of Armageddon, and we're going to be aligned against every, every person that has, has turned their back on God and re- rejected Him, you know, that, that are still alive here, that all these nations that they're gathering here together, they're going to come down, and just in the space of just a few moments, Jesus is going to defeat them. And, and then that opens up the way to, you know, for the rest of, for the great white throne judgment and, and things that we'll look at here just in a couple of weeks. And then it's very interesting because just kind of in the middle of this, verse 15, uh, we see Jesus say something. You know, it's in red. So here, these are, this is the word of Jesus. And he said this, he says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Isn't that something? Now that brings back a couple uh, thought processes to some scriptures that we know. In Luke, uh, I think it's Luke chapter twenty-one. Jesus, you know, Jesus Himself said, "I come as a thief in the night." You know, and there's other scriptures. It's interesting too because the one of the one of the traditions I read this as I was studying this this week. One of the one of the traditions was when the priest would keep uh, would keep uh, watch. The the hardest, of course, the hardest watch was like the the fourth watch of the night. I believe they, I believe it's what it was. It was like from three o'clock to six o'clock in the morning. And but what would happen is if if one of the priests was caught sleeping, that they would take him and they would strip him naked and take his clothes and burn his clothes and walk him through the street naked and strip him of his priestly uh, duties because he had because he had you know fallen. In the temptation, he had fallen into sleep and not watched. And here, it's interesting that Jesus said, Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now, that would be a shameful thing, wouldn't it? To, be, to people to know you're supposed to be watching and, and they caught you asleep. So, you know, so they're gonna, they just strip you naked and burn your clothes and, and strip you of all your, all your things. But here Jesus says you're blessed if you, if you keep watch. Amen. If you, if you stay true to, true to what He's called you to do. Then verse 16. <coughs> verse 16, He says this. 
And he gathered them together into a place called the Hebrew, called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Now he's talking about here. He's talking about Satan. These evil spirits go out to all of the all of the nations. They deceive all. He deceives all the nations, and it says he gathers them together into the place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. We, uh, you know, when Stacey and I went to Israel, we went to to Megiddo, and and it's a Megiddo is like a it's like a two hundred. Uh, it's like I can't remember how many acres wide it is, but it's like two hundred uh, two hundred acres long and. Uh, Seems like maybe 200 acres wide too. I can't remember how, but it's just this huge field. It's this huge valley, uh, and and you know, and 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 everybody has said, and through throughout history, uh, even army generals and stuff said that that would be the perfect place for a battle. Well, that's the very place that the Battle of Armageddon will happen. And it says so. So they're all drawn together here in the battle for you know for the for this battle of Armageddon. Then verse 17 says this, And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. Wow. Could you imagine everything leading up to this? You see, you know, all these different things happen. You see all these people gathered together, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you hear this rumble, and you hear this voice come out of heaven saying, it is done. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but I, I think I would turn and run the other way or something. I don't know. So, but verse 18 goes and says this. And there, Now listen to this. There were voices. We, we've seen this time and time again. We've seen this about four, maybe three or four different times in, in Revelation here. It says there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And that great city, talking about Jerusalem, that great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of His wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon man a great hell out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. Now, we, we've, you know, we've all seen hell storms and we've seen it on TV. I, I've never, I've seen hell probably about the size of quarter. You know, maybe, I've seen maybe, maybe the size of a golf ball at times, just, you know, random. You know, real bad hailstorm in Oklahoma. I mean, we we saw some pretty bad hail out there at times, but this one says that the weight of the weight of every stone. In other words, you know, now if if you've ever seen a hailstorm, you can look outside and and it looks like it's snowing. You know, and it, it'll cover the ground real quick in a hailstorm. This says that every stone, every single piece of ice that falls weighs the weighs the the weight of a talent. Most, most, there's different weights that, that you see throughout the scripture. But this could mean the weight of a talent, depending on which, which weight you use, could be anywhere from 60 to 120 pounds. Even if it, we'll go the short end, 60 pounds. Could you imagine hail 60 pounds pelting the earth? I mean, a roof's not going to protect you. I mean, they, there's nothing that'll protect you. 
And every one of those ice balls that are falling is at least 60 to 80 pounds. I mean, you're talking about chunks of ice. You're not talking about pieces of ice. You're talking about chunks of ice. And, and you can see, and here again, for the third time in this chapter, it says, Men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hell, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. The Amplified says, So very great was the torture of that plague. So the, so the, the seventh plague, the seventh bowl of wrath, would, not only was the voice come out of heaven and said, it is done, but it's the hailstorm hail of all hailstorms. And, and there was an earthquake. And here, you know, you think about this. The, the Bible says this is the, this is the earthquake that splits Jerusalem into three parts. And, and, you know, when Jesus returns, it says that he will split one of those, one of those chasms there. He'll have one foot on the Mount of Olives and one foot on, on the Temple Mount. And, and he'll come back and he'll put his, you know, one foot here and one foot here. And, and he'll, that's, that's when he comes back to, to rule and to reign. And, but it splits Jerusalem into three parts. And it says that every mountain and every island vanished. It, and it don't take much imagination to know that if you have an earthquake that big, especially in that region, as, as many oceans and stuff around there, that, you know, when you have an earthquake that big, just like, uh, Joseph Morris mentioned it today that, uh, yesterday, there was an earthquake in Japan, and they had a tsunami warning. You know, they were saying that waves like 10 feet high could come in. Well, if you had a, a great earthquake, you could imagine those tsunami waves would be a whole lot bigger than 10 feet, and it wouldn't take much to to make those islands disappear. You know, when we were in uh, we were in uh, Hawaii, they were we you know I was just checking the weather and stuff, and we were flying back into L.A. on Friday. Friday morning. Well, Thursday morning, I don't know whether they whether they broadcasted out here much or not. I don't know. But Thursday morning, there was like twenty. They reported twenty, like twenty three earthquakes, twenty three or twenty four earthquakes in L.A. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, just get me into L.A. and out of L.A. before another big earthquake comes. You know, I don't want to be stranded somewhere. But they had twenty three earthquakes like Wednesday and Thursday in L.A. And they, they were talking about. Uh, uh, there was an earthquake in China. There was an earthquake in Japan. That what they call the Ring of Fire, uh, where the you know where so many of the the earthquakes happened. Um, I think I think last week alone there was something like a hundred and some earthquakes around that around that area. Now none of them were major, but everybody says as you start as you start looking at that and, and listening to people, everybody says that that's just tuning up for the big one. You know, it's getting ready. Things are shifting. Things are moving. Things are, are getting ready to come. You know, Jesus is coming soon. Amen. I mean, you can't, you can't say anything but that. Amen. The good news, now like I said, now we're through all this. So, so this, this has been kind of rough to get through just because just the thought of it. I mean, man, it's just devastation upon devastation. But the good news is that we're, that, you know, we're not going to be part of this. You know, we're going to be in heaven with, with Jesus and, and, but, but at the same time, yeah, we can rejoice, we can shout, and we can say hallelujah and amen, but there's, there's people that we need to reach for Jesus so that they don't have to go through this. You know, and we need to be busy about doing, doing the Father's business, you know, and, uh, and just, and, and just telling more and more people about Him. Let's, just real quick, we got just a couple minutes. Let's get into chapter 17. I will try and get through 17 and 18 next week. And because uh, 17 and 18, 
they're informational chapters again. Now, like, you know, chapter, uh, chapter 16 picked up like where chapter 9 left off, and the, the ones in between were informational chapters. Now, here we get through with chapter 16. Chapter 17 and 18 are informational chapters, and we're going to, these are, man, these are very interesting chapters because it tells us about, it gives us details about things that we've read previously, and it's, it tells us about, uh, the religious, the religious system, it tells of Babylon, it, you know, and, and, and the, uh, the, the religious system of the world and what it does and how it deceives. Also, the, the political and economical system uh, and how it falls. I mean, these, these chapters are just packed full of information. I'm just, gonna, I'm just giving you an overview. I'm not going really, really in-depth to it. Uh, but but it's just incredible information in these chapters. So let's just read a couple of verses and we'll see just here in the next five or ten minutes how far we can go here. It says, And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. So so here, after after John watched these bowls of judgment being poured out, one of the angels that had one of the bowls comes and tells John, he says, John, come with me and I'm going to show you what happens to Babylon. The, the, and who he's talking about, the great whore, who he's talking about is the Babylonian system. He's not a person, but it's the whole system. It's the whole, uh, like I said, chapter 17 deals with the religious system. Chapter 18 gets into the political and the economical system. Uh, the you know and the the money system and the economics and the political so so here uh, and he says which sitteth upon many waters now we talked about this before when it talks about when the Bible references waters and it doesn't give the name of the water in other words like the Great Sea of Mediterranean Sea or the you know it doesn't tell you which sea it is most of the time it's referring to people as we get over into chapter or verse five you'll see. Uh, or verse verse 15, I think it is, somewhere in there, you'll see that it actually says that the waters are many people. So you can see that this religious system is or is talking about here the, the waters are, are people, and it's the people of the earth. Verse 2 goes on to say this. Um, he's, verse 1 says, Come hither, and I will show unto you the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made uh, have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet uh, scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Now we 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 saw this beast in Revelation 13, just a few chapters back. We were introduced to this beast that was carrying. The, it was called, you know, that was that that came up out of the ocean, out of the people, out of the out of the water, and it had seven heads and ten horns. We know that the seven heads. Now he's going to explain this, but I'm just giving you a, a foretaste of it. The seven heads are actually seven nations, and the se- and the ten horns are actually ten world leaders. They're actually like kings, and you'll see that he's going to he's going to give us this vision, and then he's going to give the interpretation of it just in the next couple verses. And it says, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness 
of her fornication. So this, this woman was decked out in, in just beautiful apparel. And it says that in her cup was just full of abominations and filthiness. Listen, the world will deceive you. The world will trick you to think that you can play with, play with the world and everything's going to be fine. But I promise you, the cup they give you to drink, you do not want part of it. Because here it says the, the, the arraignment is beautiful. She is gorgeous. She's wonderful. She, she is just decked out. You know, the prettiest thing you could ever imagine. But then her cup is full of abominations and all of her filthiness. And, and it says this. It says, because we're going to see that what this whole system is, this Babylonian system, is nothing but deceit. It's nothing but lies. It's nothing but, it's nothing but affront. You know, and that's what religion is. That's what Satan will do. He will, he will try, he, he deceives people and gets people away from the truth by getting them to believe a lie and by deceiving them. So verse five, he goes on to say, and upon her forehead was a name written, and it says, mystery, Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. The amplified is interesting because the amplified says it this way. And the Amplified says, and on her forehead there was inscribed a name, a name of mystery with a secret symbolic meaning. And here was that name. Like the King James says, the mystery was was typed on her name or on her name. But most other translations say that that her name was a mystery. You know, mystery wasn't her name, but her name was Babylon the Great. And the, the Amplified kind of says that. It says on her name there was inscribed a name of mystery with a secret symbolic meaning. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and idolatresses and of the filth and atrocities and, ab- and, uh, ab- and, and abominations of the earth. And verse 6, he goes on, and we'll just read just a couple more verses and we won't get through all this. But He says, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So here John is having this vision, and he sees, he sees this beast come up out of the waters, and, and this woman that's sitting on her, and she has the name Babylon written across her forehead, you know, the, the mother of all adulterers and, and, and whores and, and all the, the bad things, you, and abominations of the earth and all this. And John said, when I saw her, he said, I was filled with wonder. I mean, he said, he said, I just, you know, it just took me aback with what I saw. You know, and here's why I think John said that. If, if God would ever, if God would open our eyes just for a split second, and we could see some of the things that we actually, we could see the root behind some of the things that we actually believe, I think we would all be shocked. You know, Joseph even said that there too. Joseph uh, Morris he said that too about he said you know if if, if it if it ever came to pass everything that Iraq was or Iran was doing we'd be shocked. Well, it's, it's kind of the same thing. If if we could see into the spirit realm just for a second, I think we would be shocked about some of the things and some of the places we go and some of the things we do. And I think that's I think John was getting a glimpse of this, saying, you know, that is religion. That is the religious system. And that's why so many people are dying and going to hell. John said, I was in, he said, I was in shock when I saw this. And notice what the angel said. And the angel said unto him, Wherefore, why do you marvel? The angel said, why, why are you marveling at this? He says, I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. 
the beast that you saw was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition or go into judgment. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold that the beast when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, what what in the world is he talking about? You remember back in chapter 13 again uh, where we talked about how so many people talk about how that was the in chapter 13 it talked about how that one of the one of the heads receives a deadly wound and everybody talks about how that the antichrist is going to get shot in the head and going to get resurrected and come back to life and and all this but but we kind of you know we kind of set the stage on that last time about how that that really can't happen that way because if the antichrist was ever to die Satan does not have resurrection power he couldn't bring him back to life. You know, so he wasn't talking about he wasn't talking about the false prophet or the antichrist. What he was talking about, the fatal wound that he was talking about was the nation, was the was the system. And he goes on to he goes on to explain that a little bit here, but he said that that he said the people are going to be in amazement when they realize that this that this head, this leader, this system, it was dead and now all of a sudden it came back to life again. And it says the people are going to see it and they're going to wonder. They're going to be in amazement of this. So let's, let's see this just real quick. And he goes in verse, um, verse number 9, he says, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And, the, and there are seven kings, five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. So what is he talking about? The seven, the seven heads that he's talking about there are the seven kings. Now it has a twofold meaning because it could mean kings, but also where there's a king, there's what? There's a kingdom. So he's talking about seven kingdoms. Five have already been, one is, and one is yet to come. So what does that mean? The five, when John wrote this, there was five kingdoms, there were five nations that had, that had been in power. Now we're talking about worldwide nations. We're talking about when they were in power, they ruled the world. Like today, there's not a worldwide kingdom established. You know, America is powerful, but America doesn't rule the world. You know, in that day, when, when, like in John's day, the kingdom that ruled the world in that day was Rome. They controlled the whole world. The whole known world, Rome was in control of it. Well, the five that, that had been raised up and that had been, had been, had fallen, the first one was Egypt, the Egyptian empire. It ruled the world and then fell. The second one was Assyria. They ruled the world and fell. The third one was Babylon. They, you know, they ruled the world at one time and fell. The fourth was the Medo, the, the Mede and Persians. They fell. The sixth or the fifth was the, was Greece. They fell. The one so that was the five that was the one that is when John in John's day was Rome. So you had the five that had already fallen. You had the one that is, and then it said you had the one that is not. The one that is not, and and he's actually going to tell us that we're going to have to stop. But but in the next couple of verses, you're going to see he he explains who that is. But the one that is not is going to be the coming. One world order is going to be the coming one nation, one ruling body that 
that rises up in the end, at the end of the time that's going to try to rule the whole world. So that's the, that's the one that is yet to come. And, and so you, and you'll see that. And, and who is that? It's going to be actually the, the Roman Empire at the West, from the Western, from like Europe and, and the whole, you know, it's the whole, uh, I mean, it's being set up even today as we talk. You know, the, the, the whole system that, that everybody is going, trying to get into one, you know, you hear about one, one money, one system, one religion, one, you know, one government, and you'll hear rumors of that and, and little tidbits of that. But that, that is the one that it's talking about. That in, and because notice it says that they have to, they'll be in power for a very short time because it's not going to last very long. Because it's going to come, to, it's going to rise during the tribulation period and then it'll fall at the end of it. So you're talking about three to five years at the most that this, this one world system will kind of be in, the, in place. So we'll talk more about that. I want to leave you hanging right there and that way you'll come back next week. So, uh, but, but we'll, we'll pick up right there next week. And then we'll we'll see uh, we'll see some more about that and, and the rest of this chapter talks about it chapter eighteen goes into the political and economic uh, system of that just incredible stuff but but the reality of it is is we we are right here in the midst of it right now I mean we're seeing it unfold it's it's incredible I mean it's it's an amazing thing that you and I God has has chosen us for such a time as this Amen to be right here in the middle of it Amen well let me pray for you. And then we'll go, and uh, we'll we'll just pick up here next week and talk about some more of it. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the revelation of your word, Lord. Thank you for the book of Revelation, Father, to show us things coming. You love us enough to show us things that are coming and to prepare us, and so we can help uh, our loved ones not have to go through that. So, Father, we pray blessings on each one tonight. Help us be busy about your kingdom, Father. Help us be busy to share the gospel and to go out and tell more and more people about you. And we love you, Father. We pray for Brother Josh Hollingsworth, Lord, as he travels. And he's probably already in Charleston now. He was going up there for a few days earlier to be with his family. But, Father, we pray for him. We pray for wisdom and revelation as he prepares for uh, this coming weekend here, Lord. Thank you for a great weekend. And and, uh, we pray blessings on everyone that's planning on being here. And, Father, that can attend. And we just thank you for, for touching many lives, Father. And we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.